Hi there, it's good to have you again. Before we jump into today's interview, I have some exciting announcements to share. I have recorded this about a billion times now. <laughs> so this will be the one. Okay, um, first of all, I'm very excited. I am hosting my first workshop, How to Manage Your Energy. And it will be hosted this on the 22nd from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not to worry if you can't make it because I will be sending out replays. I put together this workshop because, I mean, let's just face it, there's a lot of different things that are going on right now that are pushing and pulling on us every day, right? Everything from the COVID to the social injustice, I mean, there's just so much going on that it's very difficult to stay centered and very difficult to protect ourselves. And so I created this workshop to teach you how to protect, shift, and elevate your energy. And I'm going to show you how to do this with different practices and rituals, even crystals, which we're going to totally geek out on and enjoy. It's going to be a lot of fun and you're going to walk away with practical things that you can utilize in your life every day. So there will be a link in the show notes. Make sure you sign up if you feel called. This is my first workshop, so it is free, but the tickets are limited. So make sure and get yours today. The second announcement is that I am launching an online community on Mighty Networks. Creating a community is something that I've wanted to do um, from the very beginning when I was dreaming up the Soul Driven Podcast. I think that there is such a need right now for folks to have a place to go and feel safe and ask questions about spirituality, about things that, you know, purpose, um, and how all of that correlates to our everyday life. We've got folks who are interested in, you know, creating a spiritual business that aren't sure how to do that. This will be a great place. There are folks who are waking up in their life asking all kinds of questions about what it is that they're here for. That will be a great place as well. In this community, I will be providing tools and guides and even having like private interviews with folks and professionals in certain areas to come in and teach us as a community. So make sure that you are on my email list so that you get the information about how to sign up for that. I am very excited about this, very excited to start this. It will be free on the front end, so make sure that you get in because that will not always be the case. Um, but again, it's going to be hosted on a network called Mighty Networks which is fantastic. I've, I've been going back and forth on where to start a community for a couple of months now. And while Facebook groups is easy, I just, I don't align with a lot of Facebook's philosophies. And quite frankly, I think it will be very beautiful for us to be able to interact without having to get on Facebook. So Mighty Networks is a platform I've been looking at uh, for several months engaging with through other groups they have a great mobile app desktop um, app so i'm just very excited make sure again that you're signed up for my email list to learn more about that i will be formally 
launching it next week and just can't wait. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm super excited for today's interview. You are really going to enjoy Roger and getting just to learn about shamanism. Um, he is truly just a beautiful soul. We talk about what shamanism is. We talk about cultural appropriation in regards to it, uh, shadow work, you know, personal growth, and what courage it takes. He he shares with us his journey to stepping into his purpose, which took him many decades. So <laughs> I always love those kinds of stories. Um, and of course, just the love of our planet. So a little background on Roger. He is an internationally recognized shaman, healer, and ritualist with over 25 years of experience devoted to nature-focused spirituality, sacred ceremony, and a variety of esoteric, mystical, and magical traditions. He draws from the myths and wisdom of Europe, especially those of the ancient Norse and Celtic people, as well as some traditions found within the indigenous practices of North and South America. Blending many concepts found in Western and Eastern mysticism and philosophy, Roger uniquely draws parallels between belief systems from around the world. Again, I can't wait to share this interview with you. I so hope you enjoy it. Make sure and let me know what you think. Come hang out with me on social channels or email me. And yeah, enjoy the interview. Welcome to Soul Driven, a podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for life inspiration, practical how-tos, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, and I am your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another soul-driven interview. These interviews are with people from all walks of life who've discovered their true purpose and are living it at living it out every day. <laughs> Apparently, I can't speak today. Today, I'm excited to introduce Roger Lockshare to the podcast, who is a shaman, healer, and ritualist. Welcome to the show, Roger. Hey, Anna. Thank you for having me today. Did I pronounce your last name right? You sure did. Okay, good. And thanks for asking, but you did. You nailed it. <laughs> I meant to ask you that before we started recording, but you know, life. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I should hashtag this Monday, right? Since we've been talking about our Mondays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited to speak with you today, and I have so many questions for you. But first, we're going to start off with my big question. Okay. What makes you soul driven? Okay, so that's a great question. I love that question. Um, you know, I think it for me, um, it comes down to something that you just mentioned, and that's purpose. Um, so, just a little backstory. Um, I worked for years as a nurse in healthcare, and. Um, and I felt like I was doing good work. I felt like I was a good nurse and I was making a difference in people's lives. Um, 
but I was also had my spiritual practice and kind of the healing work I was doing, which was outside the realm of the hospital. And, and, um, and, and I knew, I knew that when I went to work as a nurse, I put on my scrubs every day before my shift and everything and put on the uniform, you know, um, I was, I was, fulfilling a role right I was going to work as a nurse and then I would come home and for the other 12 hours of the day I was just me um, and it started to become really clear to me really actually through my wife um, Allison really poking me and saying you know when are you just gonna say yes to to this aspect of your life like full-time because that's who you really are. That's who you are. Um, and so for a couple years, I kept getting the little poke. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, that's true. And I do believe that. But <clears throat> something was holding me back. And I only saw myself as, I, I shouldn't say only, but I saw myself as I had to fulfill the what would be in the construct of society, this other role, this is what I did for a living. And this other piece was somehow a, a, a separate piece, right? And I came to a, an understanding through a lot of meditation, a lot of discussions with, uh, with Allison, um, that really my purpose was to just be who I was 24 seven, 365 days a year. And in August of a couple of years, uh, 2018, so almost two years ago, um, coming home from a retreat that uh, we facilitate every year, um, my wife asked me that question again, when are you just gonna say yes uh, and embrace this as just who you are full time, all the time? And I said, yes, at that point I said yes. And uh, the following day, I went into my clinic that I worked at and I gave my 30 day notice to just commit myself to this life. So for me, it's about purpose. Soul driven, being soul driven is about aligning what our will is, what our, what that fire is that really lights us up. And everyone has that. Everyone has a purpose, and I truly believe every human being comes into this world with a specific purpose. And that's what, to me, what it means to be soul-driven. And, <clears throat> and I don't think that everyone needs to run out tomorrow and give their 30-day notice to their boss. That's not necessarily the point to the story, because there are people that I met working in healthcare doctors, nurses, physical therapists that were clearly doing what they were meant to do in this world. I've seen amazing nurses and doctors that were clearly aligned with a purpose. And I would say that they were soul driven because it was who they, who they are as, as people. Like you could see them just light up and truly make a major impact on their patients. And then you see some folks that really probably shouldn't be working in the healthcare profession. It wasn't what they're meant to do. Maybe they're meant to be, uh, you know, who knows, a chef, a gardener, 
a carpenter and you know but it what what they were doing was not was not what they should be doing it was very obvious and i think we can look at that across the board and it's and again it's not just about what we do for a living it's about how we show up in the world and how we're living our lives with purpose and being making a difference and for me that's that was what i needed to do for my life to be living truly with purpose <laughs> but that was just what i needed to do <laughs> and it was a huge leap of faith and it was scary but it was an important thing and it was the most important one of the most important things i've ever done in my life yeah i bet so i first of all i love that and you I think there was something about the way it sounds simple. You know, my purpose is to be myself, but that's such a courageous thing for us to do in this life. You know, we've got so much pressure coming at us the moment that we're born to be compared to another baby or a sibling or a person or, and then as we get, you know, as we continue growing, those um, comparisons just continue to like file in the room. And before long, we're kind of like, wait a minute, what am I, who am I, you know? And just with all of the societal conditioning that we live under and, you know, the pressure from our parents and just pressure that kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, it's, you know, it's that, uh, that philosophy that the simplest things are the hardest things to do in life, you know, and of course, so true. being ourself is like probably got to be at the top of the list <laughs> yeah. right next to like loving your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's part of, it is, it's easier said than done. And, and, and where we are as a society right now, um, for the most part, and the way we've been living our lives, um, not just not just us, but generationally, um, I think for a lot of us, we don't know who we truly are, right? Underneath all those layers, who is that person underneath all that? We're not the jobs that we work necessarily, or the or the the roles that we play in life. You know, yes, I'm a husband and father and all those things. And I'm proud to be, and I'm very happy to be. Wouldn't change that for anything in the world, you know. Um, but that's not who I am either. I fulfill those roles, you know. And so, and it's the same with like a spiritual practice. It's hard for me to define, you know, even the word shamanism because to me, I'm just living what I feel is aligned with something greater than myself. You know, and so I use I, that word is what is most describes most accurately what it is that, that I align with. But I feel so much that I'm just being who I am. Right. Does that make sense how I'm saying that? And Absolutely. so, you know, and, and so much of what I do when I work with clients, you know, one on one is to help people. One of the things that I do is to help people find that purpose and embrace it. And to, to start to live in alignment with purpose. But it's, but it's a process because it's not as easy as just flipping a switch and saying, okay, I'm going to live with purpose. Well, what does that mean? 
and, yeah. it, and, it, and it's a process, right? And sometimes it's a, and you mentioned something about prioritizing and things. It really is about making sure that we're prior prioritizing ourselves first, not in a selfish way, but in a way that says the idea that if I can be the greatest version of a human being I can be, then that's going to have a ripple effect with everybody I, I come in contact with. If we're looking to be, be a good version of ourselves, being a good human being, of course, we're going to make mistakes. Of course, we're going to have bad days. We were joking about today, what was going on today with us before we started recording. We're going to have those moments that challenge us. But if we're truly underneath it all, if our goal is to be a good human being to ourselves and then to other people, the contribution that we can make, how do we help others? That's where I think, for me, that's one of the things that really lights me up. I think that is what people on the collective, I think that's where we're going, is a realization that as human beings, what we're really here to do is to live to our fullest and help each other. Yeah. You know, and to elevate each other, you know? And I think that that's a, a real key piece to to all of this and where, where we're going. So I'd love to, um, A, you'll hear me say at the end of this show, like the, the quote that I live by, which is my own quote, it was kind of just channeled down to me, but when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Yeah. And I just, you know, fully embrace that and live by that. Um, what I'd love to, I mean, like what I'm curious to know though, is why it took you so long to say yes to your purpose. Um, that's a loaded question, right? <laughs> and there's lots of answers to it. There, there's lots of answers to it. So um, I guess for me is that it's always been a part of like the whole shamanic work and that experience and that, that expression of how I connect with source. You can say spirit, capital S, God, goddess, creator, the universe, what, however you personally tap into that higher consciousness. Um, it's always been an important piece to my life, but I never, I don't, I think it took me, you know, 48 years to realize that that didn't have to just be a part of my life. That could just be my life. Yeah. Right. Because talking about like the, the pressures of society and, and the way we're, we're made to, to think not to anyone's fault. It's not like, you know, I had, I, I, was raised in a middle-class family in Connecticut, fairly, you know, fairly normal circumstances. My, my folks are still together to this day. Um, you know, they, they brought me to church when I was a kid, you know, kind of grew up in small town USA is what I'm getting at. Um, and, but societal pressures, uh, dictate to us that, we grow up to become something else. What are you going to be when you grow up? You're going to be a fireman, a doctor, a policeman, a this or that, a lawyer. And, and so, you know, early on, I knew that I had different feelings about spirituality than the, the folks that I, that I knew in my family and, and friends and things. Um, and so as I got older, I pursued things that were of interest to me 
Um, for instance, I worked for, I, I played music for a long time. I worked for a music company for 13 years um, in, in management and traveled around and, and did that. And um, because it was what I was doing for a living, right? I was still had all this other side to me, but it was more of a perspective. It was a shift in perspective that I had to come to a place. It's like, well, I, I can make a contribution and I can still take care of my family and, and live the way I want to live by being who I am, you know? So I, it took me time because I never equated who I was spiritually and I still don't in many ways. I don't call it my job, right? Even though that is my, the way I, I generate that energy exchange called money, <laughs> that's how, how, how I, I pay the bills, so to speak. But I never equated one with the other. And, and in some ways, I still don't. I don't even get money, I don't get myself wrapped up in the whole money thing in a sense that I, we live abundantly and the world is an abundant place. And, it, and if we take care of the important things, the rest takes care of all the little details. And it's true and it's yeah. miraculous and it's magical. Um, but it took me time to realize that because I saw the two as living, as being in two separate little boxes. Right. Like you, 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 you lived a certain way to pay the bills and that had to fit a nice little package, you know? And so I, I worked for a music company and then I, you know, did some other things. I ended up going to nursing school, worked in healthcare for over a decade, all while doing all this other stuff, not seeing that, well, if I just put all the energy into the same eight to 10 hours a day, 12 hours at a clinic in a, or in a hospital or whatever, if I just funneled that same energy into back into myself and shined that out into the world. What does that look like? Yeah. And now, and I'm learning that I'm, I'm learning that. Well, I think it's, I mean, I thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important. You know, a lot of um, finding your purpose and all of that has become really trendy <laughs> yeah. over the past two years. And I think it's a good thing. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, because, I mean, that's really where this podcast originated from is I felt like there were a lot of people asking very spiritual questions and really, you know, wanting to create or touch in with that spiritual part of their life. But at the same time, like they got to pay bills, right? So right. navigating that and figuring out how to make that possible yeah. um, was, was an impetus to this. And so I, I appreciate that because it does take time. And I think for every person, obviously it's different. You know, for some folks, they have the resource or whatever the may, it may be to make a fast change. For other, you know, it's a mindset. For others, it's financial. For other, I mean, like, it's so different for all of us. Yes. And um, as my stepdad always said growing up, like, it's not a race, you know? Um, yeah. Be before we step into any more questions, I just kind of want to pull back a little bit. And if we can define, like, shamanism for folks in yeah. case there's people listening who aren't sure. Yeah, I, I want to make sure that uh, that they understand kind of the baseline before we dive in here. Yeah, no, I think that's really great, and thanks for putting the pause <laughs> on that before we get too too far into this. So, so shamanism um, is a it's a spiritual tradition. Okay, so it's not a religion, but it's a spiritual tradition that can be found all across the world. 
in every, on every continent, we find shamanic practice. And these are a, a, a way that people, typically indigenous people, before organized religion, before modern technologies and things, the way that people celebrated their spirituality, but their spirituality was also tied into healing and how they related to their tribe, clan, family, whatever, um, and to their community. And so shamanism is, sometimes people hear shamanism and in this country they'll immediately think of like the Native American healer, um, which is an accurate, maybe an accurate thought to have in a sense, but it's, it's not only something that existed in North and South America, but can be found on every continent. You go, bar, go back far enough. And what that really looks like is that spirit, capital S, uh, is part of everything. So spirit flows through the two of us, th flows through all people, all animals, all insects, all trees and plants, through the earth, through everything. There is no this and that. In other words, spirit exists with us and is part of our lives. So it can be seen as a nature-centered or nature-centric spirituality, but it's certainly more complex than that. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a, just a few minutes to really kind of boil down and it's not doing, you know, it certainly can't do justice to these, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of traditions that have existed all over the planet. But really, in a nutshell, it's a nature-centered approach to spirituality, where spirit is manifest in all life. And so everything is a sentient being, whether it's a human, an animal, or a plant, or a stone, or the earth herself. All living, all sentient beings with feelings, and we can interact with them and we can, we can interact just like we do with humans. We can interact and have those same types of relationships with the animal kingdom and with the earth and with everything in, in spirit's creation. So that's a real condensed what is shamanism. But I, I do want to tack on a little extra piece to that. And that is this. Not all nature-centered spiritual practice is actually shamanism. And what I mean by that is, is that shamanism, as far as the, a group's shaman, so each tradition would actually have a person or, or maybe multiple people who were the shamans. And the word itself, obviously people speak all different languages. The word shaman is actually a, a, a Siberian word. So the people, the tribal people of Siberia, indigenous people use that word shaman to describe their folks that were the natural healers and priests and priestesses. They, they fulfilled that same role. So we're using a word kind of as a universal, but obviously in, depending on where you are on the planet, you're gonna have a specific, it's like priest or priestess or minister or healer or doctor. Those are all English words that we use. If you lived in another country, you'd be using your language, the native language to, to say doctor or priest or minister. Um, but the actual act of being a shaman really boils down to three things. So the shaman is the healer for their group. 
The shaman is the clergy member for their group. And the shaman is kind of like the therapist for their group, right? And so we as modern humans have are amazing critical thinkers and we tend to put things in a box, right? We tend to say, okay, well, uh, medicine lives over in this box and spirituality lives over in this box and, uh, you know, psychotherapy lives over in this box and all these things are are um, are separate and no one's really talking to each other. But in reality, all of those things, it's the mind, body, spirit thing. All of those things are connected. So the shaman fulfills all three of those roles. And the shaman does that within an altered state. So the shaman actually does three things. They change their, 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 their uh, consciousness. They do what's called a shamanic journey, which is similar to something like a very, very deep guided meditation, but it goes even further. And they, have that ex they have their experiences, contact with spirit guides, spirit capital S, and then they come back from their journey. And that's the medicine that is then shared with those that they're working with or with themselves or with the divin the prophecy or the, the divination or whatever. It's through that altered state that they receive that information and then it's shared with others. Did I make sense of that? Yeah, you did. I mean, I think that- <laughs> And I'm condensing a lot of information in a, in a short amount of time. But if anyone's interested in the practice of shamanism, I will tell you, uh, the Way of the Shaman, it's a book by someone named Michael Harner. It is the classic on shamanic practice. So anyone that's listening to this that wants to get a little bit more of an insight in depth, and Michael Harner um, um, traveled to South America in the 19, 1950s as an anthropologist and lived with uh, traditional healers and came back and wrote. So many of the things that we know today about shamanic practice, we can really bring back to as far as modern times to what Michael Harner started writing about years and years ago. So The Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner is a really great kind of foundational book for anyone interested in kind of getting a, a little bit more in depth as to what that looks like. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to leave a link in the show notes for anyone who's interested in checking out that book. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> every time I've, um, cause I've heard quite a few shamans interviewed on different podcasts. And when that question's asked, it's, I mean, I feel like it's such a broad and enormous question. I'm glad I'm not on the receiving end of it. <laughs> it's a hard one to answer. Yeah. It's a hard one to answer because. Well, it has so the, much context and so much history and so much depth. And I think that you did a great job. So how did you find shamanism and wow. why did you choose it? <laughs> yeah. And um, so how I found it was a really, really long process. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Connecticut, kind of small town USA, my folks brought, uh, brought us to church every Sunday. And I had a really positive, by and large, experience going to Chihuahua Episcopal and took us to an Episcopalian church. And uh, by and large, had a, had a, a very positive experience going to church, meaning um, met lots of friends, was involved in youth groups when I was a kid. And, um, you know, so... Um, from that perspective, it was really good for me. However, 
something just what didn't feel right for me. Like I felt like there was something else. And growing up in the country, I felt most, I guess, spiritually connected is a good word. When I was outside, when I was outside playing underneath the trees or splashing around in a creek by our house, um, listening to birds singing outside, like those were the things that for whatever reason, they were tugging at my heart. And those felt like, for lack of a better word, I felt more connected to a higher source that in those moments as a young child and as I got older than I did in the building on Sunday morning, For right? Sure. And now, now, now some people organized religion and things are very important and, and they do have that plug-in point. So I'm not suggesting that just because I didn't feel that connection that it's wrong for everybody. Some people are very, very connected in that way and it works for them but it didn't really work for me. And I didn't know why. I was also very empathic as a child. Um, and so I didn't understand the, the psychic component of some of the things that were going on. Um, so it, it caused me to be a little bit of a seeker. So when I was a teenager, it kind of started and I, and I, and I, I started with what was accessible to me at the local library or the local bookstores. And the first things I stumbled upon were books on like crystals or, some uh, things like Black Elk Speaks, which is a fantastic uh, book, highly recommended. Um, so some of the Native American um, traditions and stories, that's what was accessible to me. Um, and so I started to go in that direction, um, certainly feeling much more comfortable and much more connected from a spiritual in a spiritual way to, to some of those things. And then around 1990 or 91, a little me metaphysical store opened up in my hometown. Um, and so I went in and uh, the woman who owned the store was Wiccan. So I don't know if you're familiar with Wicca or any of that. Um, and it kind, of, it kind of pulled me into that direction for a while. So I started to, you know, get involved in a lot of the Wiccan tradition stuff. And what really got me, um, got kind of the, 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 the gears of my head started turning because I was realizing that, you know, aside from the, aside from a lot of the ceremonial tools and, and, and practices and things, the, the concept behind this, the stuff that I was, that I was learning and practicing with Wicca, meaning that, that that divinity is within nature and all that and i started to realize that wow you know i'm a european of european ancestry for the most part 90 something percent um uh it always felt like some of these indigenous practices like the native native american traditions they belong to someone else right so it was like i could I could relate to it to a certain degree, but I felt like it was still someone else's belief system, just like kind of like the church thing did. It felt a little bit more familiar and a little bit more aligned. But then when I had this realization that, wow, like my European ancestors, before religion became this organized thing, and, and we had our own traditions too, and they weren't that different from the traditions of North American people 
And then I started looking at the practices of South America and, and I started going all around and studying, studying, studying and learning all these different things. And I kind of started connecting the dots that what, what is left in the written record through stories, mythologies and things are really pointing towards this idea of connection to spirit through nature right through living with the elements so it was a process and my process wasn't a straight line it was lots of zigzags but it was a discovery process and i absolutely love the journey i took on it because then i could start to embrace traditions that existed for celtic people or people from scandinavia or people from you know, early into history and into, into, um, into England and Germany. And so. I think that that's a, um, just a really crucial thing to kind of point out, not only the fact that, you know, you stepping into shamanism wasn't a straight path, but then also because it was all of these zigzags. When you came to shamanism, you were bringing all of these, like, you know, just the beautiful different colors and tastes of several different traditions from which yes. you could pull with that not only, you know, that you could honor and enhance. And I mean, like, what a much richer experience, you know, like at the end of the road, I feel like some people are so intent upon getting to the end of whatever path that they're going that they don't realize that really it's all the riches along the way that make kind of whatever the end of that particular path is so much more incredible. That is so true. It's always the process, right? Because it's not over for me and it's, and that's exciting yeah. and, and it keeps it exciting and it shouldn't, it shouldn't have an end. There shouldn't be an end game. In other words, it is the, the point of the exercise is to be in it and for things to evolve and, and to be present with it and embrace it. And, and, and for me too, and I think this is also a real important part that, that I find uh, at least important to at least mention, and I do this whenever I work with groups of people, there's been so much cultural appropriation of specifically Native American traditions um, that it's really, really important for us with European heritage and descendant that we just don't go and take and borrow and steal from other people's traditions without understanding what they are. And so I had a, so although my practice tends to be somewhat eclectic in nature, I do lean heavy on the side of my Celtic roots and my European roots. And, and an example of that, what it, I could um, tell you is sometime around 19, 98 or 99 somewhere around there I was living in the Midwest I was living uh, in a suburb of Chicago and um, I had a really wonderful um, teacher and his name was Larry and Larry was of Navajo descent and so Larry um, had invited um, had invited me to a medicine wheel ceremony he said I do these on Sunday evenings please come and join me and my wife please come and, and join us and it's and it's an open thing and there will be other people I said, okay, that sounds great. So I started going to his medicine wheel uh, teaching. He was very open to share this with anybody. And, and that's the thing that's, 
you know, talking about cultural appropriation, there are so many people who are just will are just willing to teach some of these traditions. Just ask, ask, you know, for those teachers, and and so many of them will share. But to the point of this, um, Larry was a pipe carrier, and in his tradition, being a pipe carrier is extremely important, and it's done with honor and respect. And to be a pipe carrier uh, is a big deal. So Larry had offered to a few of us, would we want to become pipe carriers? And he would teach us how to actually make and carve our pipe and do this whole thing. And of course, you know, at this point I was maybe 28 or 29 years old and I'm like jumping up and down. Absolutely, I want to do this. Uh, and so I went out and I got the, the things that he asked me to get. And so I got my pipe stone and I'm carving away. And about six months into the process, I had a realization that if I completed this, it was really, really important for me to follow this tradition and keep it intact, right? Because it's a really important thing and it's an honorable thing to, to be a pipe carrier. And I had a realization that I couldn't just be a pipe carrier. I knew that I, there were other things for me to explore. Not that that didn't have any value. It's actually the opposite. I didn't want to be, you know, and I'm just going to say it, I didn't want to be the white guy with the Native American stuff and be that person perceived that's maybe culturally appropriating something, even though this was being taught to me and, 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 and freely offered to me. But I made a decision that Thank goodness there are people that are willing to share this because these traditions need to live. These are traditions that are thousands of years old that need to continue on. I'm not the one to carry that tradition forward, but luckily there are people. So I, I made a decision to put it down and respectfully say to my friend, Larry, Larry, thank you for showing me and teaching me what you have to this point, but I cannot just follow that tradition. It does, it's not right for me. So I'm going to step, step away from it. And, and it was an important, I think I did the right thing. I really do because um, there are people who, who will pick up and, and answer that call and be able to live and carry that, that pipe and, and, and do what's necessary to live in that way. That wasn't going to be my path. Well, and it so sounds it was a, like, so great. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm glad that I made that decision because it's a really beautiful tradition. I had other traditions to go and connect to and create, you know? And, and so the other piece that I wanna mention for folks who may be listening to this, who don't have, uh, who feel that, well, I don't have a connection to Native American heritage and things like that. Doesn't matter where you come from on the planet, whether you come from North or South America or Australia or Africa or Asia, or wherever, we have traditions that actually belong, that, that are part of our heritage that we can bring forward and not feel like we're taking and borrowing from other people. Yeah. Does that make sense how I'm saying that? In other words, I think, it's, I think it's great to be eclectic to a certain, you know, to, to welcome things from all traditions. But certainly there are some traditions that have just been stolen from and yeah. taken from without, without the understanding of what it really means and the importance and how sacred it is to people 
And so I don't want to devalue that in any way for anyone. And that's why I'm always careful when I talk about the, the word shaman, because to someone from Siberia, a shaman is someone from uh, a healer from Siberia. And that's, that's who they are. But we have to, we have to speak language. We have to use words that, that put things into context. And right. so, yes, we can use it and say that there are people all over the planet that have almost identical practices. And that cannot be a, that can't be a, 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 just a coincidence. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing, but that's also empowering. So we can go, you know what, we can, we can have our own expressions of this. They're equally valid and equally as sacred without having to take from some folks that maybe have had enough already taken from them. Right. Even to this day, right. Even to this day, the first nation people in Canada and in, and folks in North America and South America are, are, are still fighting to this day to hold on to their traditions. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, um, I'm really curious. I know that uh, I have been on shamanic journeys and enjoy them immensely. Yeah. And, um, but I'd love to bring this kind of into the practical for folks who haven't and don't have much experience with shamanism or working with a shaman or doing a shamanic journey. Um, what is, so let, let's talk a little bit about how it is that you work with folks, right? Yeah. On the one-to-one, like how do you, how do you bring this beautiful like love of nature and all of these things into, into, you know, someone's life? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, clients that I see um, come to me for lots of different reasons, you know, so some folks come and they want to have readings done. So obviously, you know, I, we've, I'm sure you're aware of this, but I do readings for people. I use runes and oracles and things like that. So sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a reading um, just like someone who uses tarot cards, but I, I just use different, different tools to do that for healing. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's energy work that's very similar to Reiki. I'm sure a lot of people listening are familiar with Reiki and some probably people listening that are Reiki practitioners or masters themselves. So shamanic energy work is very similar to Reiki in that we're pulling in and, and tapping into a universal life force that flows through us. It's not who, it's not coming from us. We're just the channel for it. We're just, we're directing that current. Um, and then you mentioned like the shamanic journey, and that's another piece. There's many, many pieces and kind of tools in the, in the tool bag. The shamanic journey, um, for someone wanting to seek a shamanic journey, it's not where we're going anywhere physically. We're actually going internally. So it's similar, like I mentioned earlier, to going into a very, very deep guided meditation, but it's, it's even further than, than that. It's, it's, um, I would equate it close to a hypnotic state. Um, and so that's attained by different ways, different methodologies you can actually get to that state, that highly altered hypnotic state. Um, and it's typically done with you starting with relaxation techniques, some some breathing techniques, some grounding, then a, then a guided by voice. I may guide someone into deeper, deeper, deeper into their, into their state. And then I use, and then I use sound when I work with clients, um, you know, and drum. So the drum and it's a repetitive thump, 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 like a heartbeat. Uh, and that, and that, that repetitive thump, 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 
very similar to, you know, someone, a young person that goes to a rave and they listen to electronic music and dance all night and it thump, 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 thump. And it creates this hypnotic trance-like state. And you'll even hear young people go to raves and say, oh my gosh, it was like a religious experience. And I was, see well, it's because it was. You were having a spiritual experience. You were tranced out and you were one with that whole experience. So the idea is to get someone so relaxed and into that point where they can open up they can open up and start to have experiences for themselves, connecting with their spirit guides or their, how they connect in with their concept of a, a creator, a higher source. Um, so it's very intentional and it's not just done just for the sake of just to do. It's done with intention to go in deeper, to ask for guidance, to ask for healing. I was just going to find what needs healing in the body. Right. And so I use the drum because it's a very effective tool to use and it's safe. Meaning if I were doing a journey with you, when it's all said and done, you can have some water, have a bite to eat, get in your car and drive home. You're fine. You've come out, you may feel tired. You may feel a little bit, you know, you may feel really supercharged, but you are back to your physical present self. You're thinking clearly, you can go on with your day. Um, but there are other methods into the, there are other ways to go into that shamanic journey. And some people will use ecstatic dance. Some people will use plant medicines. The difference with using plant medicine is, is once you're taking in that plant medicine and you're ingesting that into your body, now you're also communing with the spirit within that plant. And you may not be able to get in your car and drive home after that. That may not be the safe thing for you to do. And so Plant medicines are one way to do the journey. The drumming is another way. Ecstatic dance is another way. People do things that, are, that go into um, deprivations, like going into a sweat lodge or into a kiva, where it's completely dark and it's extremely hot and it creates a vision. So it's all about having this visionary experience and healing experience. Um, that's the end result. How you get there, the tools you use to get there are almost irrelevant right? Because they're all equally as valid. So plant medicine will get you there. Ecstatic dance can get you there. Drumming can get you there. They're all equally valid. It's just the tools that you use. So what are some of the reasons that someone would want or yeah, want to do like a shamanic journey? So oftentimes, one of the key pieces is to, to, do, to work on shadow work. Okay. And so that's a, that is um probably one of the one of the top requests in going into uh doing deep shamanic journey work is to uncover aspects of another person person's feeling like boy something happened to me years ago it was traumatic i never recovered from it i feel like i behave in a certain way and i feel like maybe it's connected to this or maybe they don't even have an understanding that something happened to them and and it, and it's a traumatic experience that maybe is causing them to live a certain way or have a certain dynamic within, within relationships or whatever. And, and some of that, in a traditional sense, you may, you may have heard the idea of the soul retrieval, the idea that a piece of our soul breaks off and gets stuck because of a trauma or, or a, an event that, that really shook us. And so a piece of us gets stuck and detached or dissociated with our waking consciousness but yet this other piece is helping to steer the ship <laughs> and it's doing so kind of on autopilot 
and then ours, you know, not in realizing that it was this, this old wounding event that's causing certain behaviors. So that's that, when I mentioned earlier about that, the shaman is also kind of a therapist. So there's one part medicine, one part, uh, you know, um, kind of like the priest or the minister, the, the, um, the clergy member. And then there's another piece that is very much kind of like therapy. The difference is, is that to a shaman, to shamanic practice, those things aren't put in boxes. We haven't compartmentalized the well-being physically. You know, you don't feel well, you go see your doc. Emotionally, you don't feel well, you go see the shrink. You know, you're having a crisis of faith or you want to have a real, you go talk to your minister. But within shamanic work, all those things are overlapping and connected. So there really isn't a one size fits all with people. So usually when I work with uh, clients or, you know, people come to me, it first starts in a conversation. What's going on? What's driving you to want to do this? What are the underlying? And some, some people want to have the experience of what is this like? And of course, sometimes we just have to have the experience so that someone has an understanding. But once the experience is had, usually the next thing is, is, wow, I didn't know I had all that <laughs> within me, or I didn't know that experience was, I was capable of having an experience like that. And then it opens the door to other deeper work. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. I, the, the journeys that I've been on have definitely been very poignant and interesting. Um, and in my first one, I went, I went in to meet my guides and actually end up meeting my shadow. <laughs> yeah. Funny yeah. that you brought it up. And that was like one of the, uh, that was very eerie, uh, meeting, for sure. Um, not something, I mean, like, you know, we had journeyed to the underworld first. And then we were coming up and going, I guess, to the upper level and um, everything had been so beautiful and magical and, you know, um, that that was a, a pretty strong awakening, I guess, in regards I, to like, well, yeah, I'm I, sure it was. I didn't even know kind of how to handle it at the time. Um, yeah. And it was, it was really beautiful because uh, it, it totally freaked me out. I'm not even going to lie. Um, but then I was just like, okay. I'm ready to move forward in this journey. And, um, and it was, it was beautiful because, um, Jesus and mother Magdalene and, uh, mother Teresa actually ended up coming and soothing me and just talking to me about what had happened and why. And it was really cool. But, um, yeah. and I think that's fantastic. And, and like what you're sharing is, is just that like to, to, cause a lot of folks will ask, I need, I want to meet my spirit guide. So that's an intention. That's, but just what you were experiencing and, and explaining about your experience about like this underworld journey, for those who who not sure what that is, the underworld is the place of our deep healing and our, and our ancestors. Um, but, you know, there's oftentimes this concept that healing work is gentle and is all white light and, <laughs> and yes, that's a piece of it. There are certain times for a gentle presence and, and a lighter, but some, but oftentimes, you know, we need to go into the underworld to see what's underneath the surface, that shadow side um, that really needs, that's that wounding that really needs attention 
it eventually becomes the soothing, higher vibrational healing that comes through. But it's not, it's oftentimes very difficult and challenging in the beginning. Yeah. And hard. It's hard work. Deep healing work is hard work. Um, but it's all, it's all equally uh, important. And, and without one, you don't have the other. So I would almost argue honestly that. that it's like, that it's more important, quite frankly. I mean, I just, I would agree in, in my personal experience, you know, and, and even outside of a shamanic journey, I have learned the most when I've lost the most, mm-hmm. I have grown the most, you know, when I've failed the most, I have, you know, all of the, the, the yin and the yang of those situations. Um, I think here, especially in, you know, in Northern America, we have so much that uh, doing without, or, I mean, like we were talking about slow internet before this and how that's like <laughs> a first world problem, you know? Yeah. And yeah. just how good it is for us to kind of get, you know, to get shooken up so that we do go to those places and we we do deal with those things or we do start uncovering those things because you're so right i mean that's that's where the healing comes from and i imagine certainly parts of it of course come in very soft gentle waves but like um how do you i and this is totally side note but do you think it's like more hardcore like, is that in relation to how stubborn a person is or maybe strong-willed or anything like that? Or because you've obviously as far had as, a good experience. As far as their ability to do this type of thing or? No, no, no. So I guess, um, and, and this is, you know, total curiosity that just popped up in my mind. Yeah. Um, but just in regards to kind of the, um, the intensity perhaps of the healing, you know, like, okay, I'm really hardcore. I'm really stubborn. So I'm not going to be paying attention. So the universe has got to get really loud or got to really, you know what I mean? I see. Yeah. I'm making more sense. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and I think that, I, I think that, um, I think possibly is a good answer to that. But one of the things that, that I'm continuing continuously being reminded of um, is that as similar as we are as human beings, um, when it comes to our healing and how we process things, there really isn't a way to say like this, this personality type or whatever, sometimes they just need the big wake up call. Yeah, that's true. And maybe it's, Maybe some of that has to do with the resistance internally um, that people have, but I've had equally, I've had, I've had folks that, um, that have surprised me and have surprised themselves. Like I've had folks that really feel like they've gone really deep into things and yeah, I've kind of found out a lot of stuff for myself and really worked through and think that they're kind of done so to speak with their, with the real, you know, hard stuff and two or three sessions in and they've gone even deeper than what they thought. And like, Oh my gosh, there was even another door to go be, go through that even, you know, more that I had to deal with. I would think that there's never ending. Right. I mean, and it's not, and, and that's the thing. And, and it's like, so I, that's why I 
whenever I work with someone individually or even for with a group for that matter, um, it, it really is, there's not a one size fits all. And so people have their own, their own internal stuff that's going on and, and their willingness to really say yes to the process has a lot to do with what the outcome is too. And, and what I mean by that, by that is, is that saying yes to go, to really go deep into some of this work isn't just a word. The yes has to come from within. It has to be a real desire. Yes, I am fully engaged in this. I am fully committed to figure out how I can become the next greater version of myself through this type of healing work. Or yes, I'm, I'm really committed to, to allow this to be difficult should it be difficult. I embrace that. You know, some people say they are, but then it takes them t- and, it, and it gets them out of their comfort zone and then they retract a little bit. And that's okay too, because you can't force anybody to do any work that they don't want to do. And particularly when it comes to, to personal development and growth and feeling spiritually connected, everyone has to move it at their own pace. Sure. Some people get the big wallop on top of the head, right? And, they, and it takes a big thing to happen, a big event to happen for them to have that, waking, that, that moment of, wow, I really need to start working on this because something just, you know, my relationship just blew up or I, you know, experienced a, a, a health crisis that, that they didn't realize was, was, was simmering underneath the surface. And, and so it, it's one of those things and it just depends. It just yeah. depends on the individual. No, that um, makes complete sense. But, it, I mean, but I will say that anybody who chooses to do this work should automatically give themselves a little pat on the back because it takes courage yeah. to want to be better. It takes courage to to want to be a better human being or more connected human being, particularly in the world that we live in right now, because it's so easy to just scroll through our phones or to to you know binge watch on Netflix or is so many and our and the world is a busy place and it's a fast paced world that we live in, and so it takes it takes courage on no matter how big or small that step is. When someone decides, you know what, I want to, I want to commit some time to personal growth. That right there is 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 a courageous statement and a courageous step, no matter how big or small that is. Because you're because we're stepping against the current of what the, what's out in the collective right now. Even though this yeah. is growing, and we are adding to the collective in a positive way, our society is pushing in the other direction in many ways. Right sure. or is flowing in another direction, so uh, it takes guts to 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 even no matter how big or small that that statement or step is, um, and it always starts with one step, you know. So I have uh, one more question for you before we jump into our lightning round, and um, I'd love to know how you think shamanism is relevant in today's world. Yeah, that's an amazing question. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to say, I think part of, um, the huge disconnect that we see in the world and, and, and it's far reaching, whether it's our disconnect in the way we treat our environment and the planet, um, the way we treat each other, the way that we have prioritized money 
uh, over what's best for our world and each other. Um, not saying that we can't live in an abundant world where money is included, but we've prioritized it. It's at the top. And so there's this big disconnect like, well, and the disconnect has caused us in, in my, what I feel to be sick. I think that our society in many ways that the things that make us sick, meaning mental illness, which can turn to physical illness, is because we have this disconnect, that we're not spiritually connected to our home, meaning the earth. We're not spiritually connected to all the life on the planet and all the people on the planet. If we saw other people truly as our brothers and sisters, we wouldn't be creating war on this planet. Yes, right? Agreed. We wouldn't be harming each other. We wouldn't, there wouldn't be the social injustice that exists in this world right now. So I think that, you know, to get back to a, a simpler, and it doesn't have to be any more complicated, other than just embracing the fact that we're all part of the same one thing, whatever that one thing is, you can put whatever label on it you want, but we are all spiritual beings that are connected to this one greater source and we're all creating it together. We're all creating together. Um, once we get back to that, which I do believe that is in the written record and in the oral traditions of every great spiritual tradition that ever existed, whether it's a shamanic tradition or a spiritual tradition that's, that exists today, any great spiritual tradition, the underlying message is that we're part of something greater and we're all equal in it. Yes, totally agreed. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that that's certainly, um, even when the COVID first started popping up, I mean, for me, it was just like, this is leveling the playing field. Totally. And that's a good thing. You know, that's, it's a time thing. Like we've, mm -hmm. we have abused our planet. We have abused ourselves, each mm -hmm. other and our resources and all of that for too long. You know, there, because there is such a perfect balance in this world that was, it was coming at some point in time, you know, it had to happen. People are like surprised. And I'm like, really? <laughs> How right. are you surprised? I mean, this comes from food is kind of where we're assuming. And I mean, look at the way we treat our animals and the way we, I mean, it, you know, that's like a whole different rant and tyrants and things that we could, you know, talk about for a long time that I think is very relevant and real, but it all comes back to this is, I feel the very beginning of a, of the reawakening of us as planet as a culture to what you're saying that we are all one and I, I you know it's like if we could all individually understand that like literally if we could all just grasp that and come to know that like suffering would be over tomorrow it would end immediately immediately as instantaneously soon as, as soon as we you know and embody that embrace that like boom done yeah it's just such a powerful and simple <laughs> thing, right? Yes. Um, okay. And we will get there. I yes. do believe we're going to get there. I, I do. Agreed. And I think that in our lifetimes, we're, we're in, we are in the transition. And just like we're talking about healing on a personal level, 
why things look so scary sometimes out in the world right now and, and all the ugly that we're seeing and all the challenges, it's because just what we were saying before, just like what happens on the microcosm happens on the macrocosm and, and vice versa. And so, yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be challenging. But when we come out the other side, when we get to the next version of what humankind is gonna be, we are gonna have a better understanding. You know, we don't have to go back to living so simply like our ancestors did and get rid of all of the technology that, that we, we, can, we can have both. Yeah. But we can do it in a way that it's not destructive. Yeah. You know, we start looking at, That's well, loving. this is our, the earth is our home and it's a sacred place and the earth herself is alive. We need to stop polluting it. We need to start taking care of the earth just like we would take care of ourselves. Yeah. And all those things are going to happen they're, and they're happening now because this conversation that we're having today, right now, these conversations are happening every day all across the globe. People are having conversations just like this. And that wasn't the case just a few years ago. Just That's 10 right. years ago, 20, when I first came into this back in the 90s, I mean, I felt like, you know, granted, it was before the internet and, and before all that, all that stuff. And so it felt like there weren't a whole lot of people with like-minded. That's not the case anymore. Technology has actually brought these types of things, brought people together in ways that we couldn't have before. So, well, we're going to get there for sure. I we agree. will get there. I agree fully. I have plenty of hope. <laughs> I do too. All right. So are you ready for our closeout questions? As ready as no, I no, 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 no. Let's do this. Okay, it's yep. lightning round. Okay. So quick answer. I'll, I'll try not to uh, <laughs> <laughs> mess this up, get all stuck. Okay. So number one, what is the one habit you can't live without? Oh my goodness. Um, that's a tough one that is a tough one um you know we have in like a maybe a year ago six months ago eight months ago something along those lines we started streaming uh gaia tv do you know of gaia tv I'm a little stuck on Gaia TV right now. So this is the had, one I, I will admittedly about. say that there's been <laughs> some binge watches of Gaia TV in the past few months. Yeah, that's one that I, I kind of need to hold on to right now. All right, that'll yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, number two, what does spirituality mean for you? Um, I think it means just to learn to live to be a good learning to to be a good human being what it means yeah. to be a good human if we if we can learn to be a good human that spirit flowing through us i like that nice and yeah simple but so powerful what is your advice to anyone who's looking to find purpose um welcome that embrace it for all of the all of it that's going to be the ups and downs, right? Because it is the, embrace the process and embrace the idea of it not being a straight line um, and have fun with it. Just have fun with it and don't allow anybody else to tell you who you should or shouldn't be. Listen to that, that little voice inside in the heart, not up in the head. 
but in the heart. That'll, that'll be your guide. Listen to your heart. Yes, always. All right, final, final question. All right. It's huge. Are you ready? I'm sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> it's no how can people connect with you? And I know that you offer like online meetings and in person. So make sure you share both of those with us. And okay, great. I will be sure to put everything in the show notes, folks. So don't worry. Yeah. Now, now I just breathe a big sigh of relief because <laughs> <laughs> this is easy. So yeah, so I, in person, so I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. So in person, I see clients at Native Salt Cave and Wellness which is a beautiful space for anyone who hasn't been there. It's just an amazing, an amazing salt cave here in Wilmington. Um, and also at Madame Meerkat's Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, I'm there two days, two half days a week. You can find me, uh, for those who are not local, I do uh, healing sessions and readings and things uh, via Skype and FaceTime, you know, online platform, Zoom. Uh, you can email me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, at shamanfire.net or uh, Facebook folks, uh, shamanfire on Facebook. And um, on Instagram, it's just at Roger Lockshear, L-O-C-K-S-H-I-E-R. Um, and I, I have folks from all over the country and, and in other countries as well that, that contact me and connect with me online. And I'd be, be happy to, to, to uh, share in those experiences with anyone out there listening. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on Soul Driven, Roger. You've been awesome. I feel like we could probably talk for many moons. <laughs> we totally could. <laughs> but I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for, for asking me to be on your, your podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoyed every minute of this. Same, same. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Now I want to hear from you. Did today's interview with Roger inspire you to learn more about shamanism? Come discuss it with me on Instagram or Facebook at Soul Driven Podcast or send me an email, souldrivenpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's message, please leave us an iTunes review, share this episode on social media and with those you love. Sign up for the email list. We've got big news coming your way. And don't forget, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week.